Welcome in to another episode of the Blue Jay Beat. Um, I'm Matt DeMarinas, and I am joined tonight by the Philly girl, Kim Adams. We had to bring her on for the Villanova Creighton rematch. Um, Philly got this one big tonight, so uh, <laughs> uh, she she likes her Jays. She's smiling ear to ear, but she likes her Jays. She's not here to she's not here to bash. Yeah, well, let's, yeah. Let's clarify that I'm not like a Philly fan. I'm right. originally from New York. Transplant. Just happen to be living in Philly right now, and I'm a neutral Big East basketball fan. But you know, we had to have it covered tonight. You in Omaha me and Philly and yeah, it, it was all, all Philly, all Villanova tonight. I don't think you beat Villanova in your playing career either. Did you? So you know what, what it's like, right? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I probably took, took a couple L's there for sure. I know they beat (laughs) you by 40 as a freshman. So So you're, you've, you've experienced something like this tonight. So oh my gosh, this man did his research. Oh, come on. I know my people now let's go. (laughs) Um, I'm not just a fan of the broadcaster. I know she's a hooper too. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of <laughs> positivity going tonight. We'll try to have some fun in any way. Uh, obviously Villanova laid it on the Jays. 75 41 was the final Jay Wright's 500th win. I bet. <laughs> I don't know if there was any motivation for Jay to get 500 tonight, but I bet he didn't want to like go Oh, for his first try. So I don't know what practices were like for Nova, but they came out. I mean, they played Nova basketball, mistake-free, physical, um, you know, just just, just really sound, fundamental Villanova basketball. And, like, Creighton did not come with that same sharpness they had in Omaha. And it just slowly whittled away into a pretty ugly, lopsided <laughs> loss for the Jays. So, I don't know, Kim, like, as you're watching it unfold – because you obviously know these teams um, pretty well over the years. Like, I don't know if what you were expecting out tonight with Villanova having the get back game um, because they already took a lopsided loss on their end of it in the first one. Um, But like, just, I guess, from what you were expecting to what you saw unfold. Yeah. I mean, I'll preface it by saying I, I did not get a chance to watch the first meeting. Um, I know it was obviously, I think it was a 20 point win in Creighton's favor. Um, so I know the result, but I didn't get to see the actual game. So I can't compare what actually took place on the floor in that game until tonight. Um, I think what I saw, especially in the first half, and you know, I, I haven't watched every game from either of these two teams, but I think it was pretty evident in the first half. And I don't know if this is something you've seen from the Jays yet, Uh, in this young season, but we saw a team that looked young and that looked like it hadn't brought back its entire starting five. Um, We saw the inexperience. I thought at times, like looking at some of the turnovers in that first half, I was like, they look like a deer in headlights right Mm -hmm. now. Like there were just a couple passes that you were like, I can't believe a division one player just made that pass. Like it's just stuff you wouldn't typically see from a Creighton team or, you know, any Big East team really. Um, So that was kind of my early takeaway is Villanova came in like the Villanova we're accustomed to seeing. And I think Villanova is probably as good as any team in the Big East or really nationwide at 
that bounce back game, especially if it's at home. And I think especially if it's at the fin or the mm-hmm. pavilion, um, they just seem to always be so good in that building. And I think they really dictated the game from the jump. Um, Samuels Moore, I thought were incredibly aggressive, incredibly physical. Um, and I think that physicality bothered Creighton, um, especially on the perimeter tonight. Um, so overall, and I, I think we just heard Coach McDermott allude to it also, we saw a, a young and experienced team and we saw a veteran team and both of those came out to be true in this meeting. Um, I don't think Creighton normally plays like a young and experienced team, but tonight they did and Villanova was super locked in for the whole 40 minutes. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I, I think that this is probably one of the – first times this year where Creighton's like Creighton's youth. And then especially as it's compared to his opponent, I think what you're doing, like comparing it to Villanova's experience is what, why the result turned into what it did tonight. Like you did see some uncharacter. I mean, Creighton has been kind of a high mistake team this year um, at times. And I think you've just come to expect that because not only are they young, but they haven't played together. So that offensive continuity isn't totally there yet. Um, but I think when you look at like the way Villanova came out, there's just like, I think they were, they would probably say, excuse me, in Omaha that they made some uncharacteristic, they didn't play Villanova basketball for 40 minutes and, um, that they maybe contributed to the loss as much as Creighton, Creighton did. Um, tonight you saw like Villanova just was really focused. I think they just looked locked in like, Hey, we're, we're just not going to beat ourselves tonight. We're not going to make uncharacteristic non Villanova S plays. And I think the rest of it will take care of itself. Like Creighton will get rattled in the environment with the way we're playing. And I, you know, honestly at the first, like, it wasn't like the game got away from Creighton right away. You know, it was back and forth. They were Creighton was shooting the ball. Well, when they did have possessions where they would get shots up. Right. So, but I think it just like you slowly started to see like this is a Villanova game because they were getting to the free throw line. Right. Um, I think they were 10 of 11 in the first half. They only shot 16 in Omaha. Um, so they were getting to the free throw line. Uh, they were turning Creighton over. They weren't turning the ball over. They weren't living from the three point line like they did in Omaha, taking, um, you know, a lot of threes off the dribble uh, off of like not, you know, that stuff that didn't come off a ball movement. Um and that kind of gave them a lead. And then all of a sudden the three start to fall and then Justin Moore catches fire and then like a run comes. And then all of a sudden you're just getting buried by it. It's like Villanova is like the masters at like creating like a slow death process for you. Right. <laughs> they just, they just like, they beat you with simple, 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 simple over and over again. And then eventually you just bury yourselves. Yeah. And it's, it wasn't really anything that wowed you. Like, there weren't really, I don't think there was a single like highlight real dunk, um, but they're truly a team that just wears you down with their discipline and their execution. And I thought they were really committed on the defensive end tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a couple of the, just a couple notes I have from the first half um, where I thought Villanova really set the tone. You mentioned the free throws, Creighton only took, took, took and made one free throw Right. in the first half and then I in the second part of that 
first half, I thought Villanova really just started to dominate the glass, especially on the offensive rebounding. Um, there were a couple plays, I think once or twice at least, where Villanova got two offensive rebounds mm-hmm. on a possession. And that's just a sign of a team getting outworked and out hustled. And I saw coach Mac right away, go to the bench and, and rip somebody out because that's okay. You give up one offensive rebound. It happens to the best of us, but when you give up two offensive rebounds, that's a sign of not playing hard, um, not caring enough to box out, not once, but twice. Um, so you saw a couple of plays like that where, Villanova was just the tougher team, the more physical team. And I think they really started to kind of set that tone in the back half of the first half, the final 10 minutes. And interesting enough, like Colin Gillespie wasn't even on the floor. He played Mm -hmm. eight minutes because of the two fouls. Um, So you would think Gillespie going out, here's a chance for the Jays to capitalize on his absence, kind of their floor general, um, the guy who gets everybody organized is out. And I thought that was, you know, maybe Villanova's best portion of the game, really, when he was on the bench, surprisingly. Um, so I thought they just dictated a couple categories. You know, free throws are, are being aggressive, getting to the line. So they were more aggressive there. They were more aggressive on the boards. And I think those are like toughness categories. Um, and that's where they had the advantage in that first half and really had the momentum going into the locker room. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, was like, defensively they made Creighton feel them you know like oh yeah um you know they never let Ryan Nemhard get comfortable they never let him settle into the game uh Ryan Kalkbrenner was having to battle for position the whole time and I and I mean we learned before the game that Kalkbrenner sprained his ankle in practice leading up to the game and they weren't quite sure about his status so you know he's less than 100% already um and Villanova just made him work at different to like at different spots you know like last in the first meeting, he was able to dominate the game. He was able to get, you know, uh, good position for post-ups and, you know, entry feeds and stuff like that. But today it was like, you know, they, I mean, early on in the game, they forced him all the way out to the three-point line in the corner and trapped him. Like, that's 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 not where Creighton wants to operate with their seven-footer at all. So, um, yeah, I just think Villanova's physicality defensively was apparent from the opening tip. And also yeah. they were – you know, they were playing that that kind of like that token extended three-quarter court pressure that they just stick long athletic guys in front of you and they just it just slows your offense to a crawl. And it just it just like it creates a quarter court battle, right? Like you gotta execute from basically 25 feet and in, and we're gonna go do the same thing. And that's how the game is gonna be played. So Creighton wants the game open an open floor situation. They want to get up and run, they want to create that pace. And I thought Villanova did a good job dictating it from the jump and then being really physical on the defensive end of the floor, not letting Creighton get not positioning, passing, everything. Everything was hard for Creighton offensively. Yeah. And I th- the pressure was interesting. Tech, like a three-quarter court press, but they really just pick up a step or two over half court. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you press, you're pressing for different reasons. And obviously, like you mentioned, Villanova was pressing to slow the game down and limit fast break, um, limit quick hitters. But Creighton ended up turning the ball over against that pressure, which wasn't too intense. It wasn't a full court two, two, one, where you're trapping everything. You know, there's no aggressive traps 
in that press. But in addition to slowing Creighton down, Creighton, I don't know if they just weren't used to the look. Um, they were just getting rushed. But I thought Nemhard had a tough time kind of seeing over the press at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it wasn't Villanova's intention to turn them over with that press, but it ended up doing that as well. Um, just because Creighton got careless with passes and never really adjusted to that pressure, which really was just meant to, you know, make Creighton take an extra eight to 10 seconds to initiate their offense. Um, but obviously the turnovers were a huge problem all night and in that first half as well. Yeah. I think they, I think for the first half, they had nine made shots and 10 turnovers. So then like, you factor in the, the free throw was the what came on a, a three-point play. So, really, they had nine scoring possessions and then ten empty ones, you know, just flat out where they got no shots up. Um, the thing the the thing that I'm curious about from your perspective, because you've, um, you know, dealt with this as a player and then had to dive into it as an analyst as you try to, like, understand how the game works. But, you know, Mac has mentioned this a couple times this year where – you know, Creighton has had games where they've exhibited like some toughness on the defensive end, like discipline, toughness. They're not making mistakes. They're not leaving their feet. They're not, you know, they're not giving, putting teams at the foul line. Um, but they've also happened that that stuff has happened in games where they've also been careless with the basketball on the offensive end. And his point is like, that's both the, both of those areas are discipline related, toughness related. So like how as a player do you, do you reconcile in your mind to be tough on the defensive end to be, you know, sound with your fundamentals and do all the things you're supposed to do to make Villanova's life difficult. But then when you get the ball and you start doing your thing on the offensive end, all of a sudden, like these careless habits start cropping up. Yeah. Well, I had that thought exactly literally on my notes here in all bold and I hope it's not too harsh or offensive, but I have defense too soft. The defense was too soft. I think in a game where you're really struggling to get the offense going, you're turning the ball over. You need to try and do the same thing on the other end. You need to try and be more disruptive. You, a team that gets up and down the floor as well as Creighton does in a, in a normal game, not tonight. Um, Cause that was stopped. But when they're playing the pace they want to play, they can get up and down with the best of them in the country. So why not try to force some turnovers, um, force some bad shots that almost act as a turnover, get the long rebound and get out and run. Yes. Villanova is a team that is very disciplined and you're not going to turn them over as much as you would most teams. But I just thought the defense was too lax. Um, I didn't think there was ball pressure. I didn't think there was getting into passing lanes, um, making aggressive plays to disrupt on that end. And when you were struggling, that especially much with the- Gillespie off the floor, right? Cause that's one of the things hey, where, like, hey. if Gillespie's in foul trouble, Villanova's primary ball handlers off the floor. So you're like, create yeah, some yeah, easy yeah, offense with a defensive play, change the game a little bit. Right. Yeah, exactly. I just, I thought they, when you're struggling so much on that end, you want to get some easy ones. And the, one of the best ways to do that is to create turnovers. Um, and I just, I never saw them amp up the pressure or intensity defensively, but then I'm looking at Jermaine Samuels, who is like in a stance, hands moving in your face. And I'm like, 
that's what I want to see from Creighton trying to claw back in this game or trying to just make something happen. Like I saw it from Villanova, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I never saw a, a point where I really felt like Creighton locked in on the defensive end and they did make adjustments to the one, three, one in the second half, but Villanova is just so disciplined against something like that. They can adjust so easily. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a change. And I felt like they, they slowed Villanova down a little bit. Um, but really I thought in that first half when they started to get out tough on the glass, things like that, that's where I was really looking for people to get in a stance, get in passing lanes, um, make it tougher to pass in the post, uh, maybe double in the post a little bit. Um, so I definitely thought that like that toughness factor was lacking on the defensive end from Creighton. Yeah. And then you look at like, you know, in that, just there was there was a moment in the first half where it's like okay, neither team is separating right now. Villanova is kind of just doing its thing, but it's like it's still just a one or two possession game right now. Like no team has been able to go on a, a you know a run that's like that that makes the team call a timeout or feels like the crowd got into it from a momentum standpoint. It just felt like a seesaw battle, but within that, it did feel like Villanova was never under pressure. Like they were just kind of in control of things and even on the offensive end when they weren't, you know, when they weren't, uh, you know, being super efficient like they normally are. Like they were having, they weren't turning the ball over, but they weren't scoring at a high rate either. Right. So, but it didn't feel like they were ever under pressure. Like it felt like they were just still in control of the game, even though, you know, Creighton's given it away seven times and it's still a four or five point game. Right. Like you wouldn't expect that to happen, but you're yeah. Creighton never did anything to, you know, change the energy, you know, it just felt like Villanova uh, set the tone from the start and then it never flipped. Like it just never flipped. Great. Never yeah. did anything to, to energize itself. Uh, it didn't win any of the 50 yeah. plays. Yeah. They're just like, they just kind of like settled into a game that Villanova wanted them to play. And then Villanova just took it over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, like there was just every 50, 50 ball felt like Villanova won it. It didn't even feel like it was a 50, 50 ball. It felt like these are like a shot goes up and then a Villanova guy grabs it. It was like that. It, yeah, it didn't even feel like it was keep, a fight. Yeah, I keep going. I'm literally just replaying that possession in my head where they it was right in front of the Creighton bench. They gave up two offensive rebounds. Like literally nobody boxed out, and Coach Mack just ripped somebody from the bench to get in. And like that, like that's probably a play that Coach Mack is gonna show his team like 10 times mm-hmm. and be like this is the, this was our effort level. This was like yeah. that play sums up like 90% of the game for Creighton is mm-hmm. just like the lack of toughness, the lack of commitment to small things like boxing out and going after rebounds. Yeah. And the, the other thing, the other factor in this game that I kind of was isolating in terms of an individual matchup, like I don't want to, I don't, I don't know if Villanova did something to Kalkbrenner or if, if the ankle, like how much, how much balance there is between how bad the ankle was affecting him. It sounds like it was pretty bad versus how much Villanova was just bothering him with physicality. And cause they guard, they guarded a little bit differently than they did in Omaha. They, they were switching a lot. So they had a lot of speed on size matchups that I think were pretty effective. And I think one in particular was Ryan Hawkins. He had a huge game against them in Omaha. And I felt like there was a lot of opportunities tonight. Um, You know, you're just looking at it and it's like, 
you know, Justin Moore's on him, Brandon Slater's on him. And normally if most of the game in Omaha, it was Jermaine Samuels. And it's like, that was the battle was Samuels versus yeah. Hawkins and Hawkins won it tonight. Like they put Brandon Slater, who's long and a little bit quicker than Samuels. And they adjusted more. Who's, you know, got some physicality, even though he's smaller than Jermaine Samuels, but he's obviously quicker. So I thought one adjustment Villanova made that was particularly effective in flipping the result from the first to the second game mm-hmm. was just putting more speed on Ryan Hawkins and, you know, not letting him, um, you know, get to his kill spots as easily because he just never really got into the game and never really was a factor offensively. And he was the one who changed the game in Omaha. He had a quick yeah. you know, a couple threes that kind of turned mm-hmm. it around. So, yeah, no, I, you know, as somebody who hasn't watched every Creighton game or if somebody was just a casual fan who tuned into that first half, like he, he literally was a non-factor. Like mm-hmm. I don't, nobody would have picked him out to, you know, think he is the nation's leading career score. Granted, yes, he's yeah, yeah, right. the D1 level, but he, he gets buckets. He's, he's doing it at the division one level. Um, I think he was a non-factor. Um, a couple things going back to Kalkbrenner, yes, with the ankle, but he looked pretty good in the first half in terms of his mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Creighton had a tough time getting it into him because of that perimeter length and defense from Villanova. And obviously the turnovers, if you're, yeah. if you were turning, if you're turning it over before you even get to the three point line, you're obviously not even giving yourself a chance to get it inside. Um, so for Kalkbrenner, I don't think there was much else he could have done um, to get the ball. Like I think they just, they struggled to feed it into him. I think the whole game, they could have played through him a little bit more. Um, you know, he's shooting, what is it? 72%. Like yeah. if you get him the ball more than likely, somebody's at least going to creep in and help. If not a flat out double or triple team collapse on him, like just by getting him the ball, you're going to open up something for somebody. If, even if he doesn't have the shot, um, so I thought there should have been a greater emphasis to get it inside to him and play through the post. I thought there were a lot of possessions throughout the game. If, if it wasn't a turnover, it was just passing around the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought in the second half, it became a lot of one-on-one isolation. Um, and then, yeah, with Ryan Hawkins, I mean, I feel like when, you know, they obviously were digging him up on the three point line. Um, I think when you have a, a great shooter like that and they're denying, denying him catches, sometimes you have to get a bit more creative and where you're even starting him off in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you put him at the elbow at the high post and let him work a little bit from there. Um, he's six, seven, like get into the post a little bit. You mentioned they were throwing some different matchups at him. If, if you don't have as strong of a physical body on him, like give him a, a chance to post up a little bit. I thought they just, they could have gotten a little bit more creative in how they could have gotten him open. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the first game of the season. He was scoreless. I want to, I know Rob Anderson will know this, but I wonder if he's ever had a scoreless game in his career Yeah, that's um, interesting. with the amount of points he's put up throughout his career. Like I would, assume there's not many games where he didn't score mm-hmm. um but yeah i think you know that'll be a big teaching moment from this game is how can we get our our top guys more involved when they're being defended 
really well. Um, yeah. How can we get more creative, whether it's screening, whether it's putting them in different positions. Um, I think just from watching Kalk Brenner, like he's so good on the move. And I, I think, I think they missed him a couple of times in the first half. Like For sure. he's very mobile. Like he can set a high ball screen and then get the second pass on the cut. Like, I think the more you get him moving, the better. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, those two guys, especially like look at the tape, learn from every opponent's going to have, you know, they're on the scouting report. They're maybe the two starting points of how you defend Creighton. So you're obviously going to have to figure out different ways to get them open and get them involved um, on slower nights like tonight. Yeah. Another thing, I mean, Villanova deserves credit for is, you know, just their defense at the point of attack, because I mean, I don't know. You can maybe look at it two ways, like how how good were Creighton, how good was Creighton at screening tonight, how good were they at like creating advantages at that mesh point, you know. But I just thought like that Ryan Nemhard never got comfortable, um, and even when they got the ball to the wing and and had like you know Alex O'Connell on a on a Colin Gillespie, like that's not a matchup that Nova is getting overwhelmed in, right? The the matchup you want is like a Hawkins on a Gillespie, but. Villanova did such a good job at the mesh point that they never really create, never really had a lot of those opportunities to create a matchup like that. I think it's just because the ball movement wasn't great. Um, the physicality and length that Villanova was throwing at them with different matchups with speed was were creating problems. And I think, you know, it just looked very disjointed from the jump. And I don't, I don't think Creighton ever got comfortable offensively, not, not at any point in the game, which is yeah. surprising because usually, usually this team has been able to figure out at least a stretch of a game where they get something that they want, whether, whether the shots go in or not, that's been the fickle part, but there's usually been a stretch of game where you can kind of see them start to flow a little bit. And that just never happened tonight. I, I you know, Villanova deserves credit for that, but yeah. you know, it's also some things that Creighton has to identify on film in terms of how to make the game easier for themselves when, when it's that difficult, especially when turnovers are starting to pile up and you're shooting the ball well, but you're also having a lot of empty possessions. You know what I mean? So you can't be upside down in shots made and, and times you gave it away. Like you just can't. Right. You can't, you can't win. You're not winning. You're not winning games at home doing that, let alone winning at Villanova at the Finn. So right. it's just too much of a hill to climb out of. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I thought Villanova's ball pressure was consistent and, and came from every every perimeter player. And I did think they made it really tough on them hard. Um, I'm never going to, you know, diminish anyone because of their size, but today it, it looked like Nemhard like truly had a tough time, like seeing over the length for of sure. Villanova. Um, like that was the factor in the game. And I think Villanova did a really good job of keeping ball handlers in front, which is kind of what I was saying about. It seemed like a lot of possessions were just, on the perimeter for Creighton. And a lot of that was because Nemhard couldn't get into the paint. Um, I thought, you know, on, they were really good at communicating on ball screens. Like a lot of times where you might see O'Connell get open on a curl, like they were all over him tonight. I feel like any, like he didn't get an open look. If, if he made a shot, it was a tough shot. Mm. Um, or if he missed a shot, it was because somebody was all over him. Like they were just completely connected as a unit defensively for sure and really executed on 
any part of, of the defense, whether it was ball pressure, whether it was um, post play, they were just, they dictated. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump into questions because uh, we got quite a few of them. So oh God. let's, uh, let's see what's on people's minds. Let's see if anyone keeps it positive here. <laughs> you know, these things are always kind of fickle. Like sometimes after wins, everybody wants to sound off. And then sometimes after, after losses, everyone just has like an airing of grievances. So we'll see I how, would, it, we'll see how yeah, everyone's feeling. We, like, I would like to say, you know, it's people shouldn't overreact to this too much. This is definitely like a get on the plane, turn the page type of night. Like you don't dwell on it, but you certainly want to take a lot from this game. Um, and we heard Jay Wright say it in his post-game interview. They, he said they got a lot better from studying their loss out at Creighton when they got blown out. Um, so this is certainly a game where like mentally you want to move on, but there's a lot of things that can be learned for this game. Um, but I don't like fans shouldn't overreact. Like we just saw Providence get clobbered at Marquette the other night and this is going to happen on the road sometimes especially like you don't want a loss like this at home um but this is definitely like throughout the course of a season no matter how good a team is like you're likely going to have a couple nights like this yeah for sure I mean it's kind of funny because I think Providence got bludgeoned last night and then they're going to go play St. John's who got a feel good win the night mm-hmm. um but then after that they play Creighton so, like, Providence is kind of going to be learning from what happened against Marquette, and Creighton's going to be learning from what happened against Villanova, and they're both going to meet and figure it out together. So yeah, that, that, that's like- why that game next week is really interesting because both teams will be smarting a little bit from a, from a whooping. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's dangerous to be playing a team that just got their doors blown off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be anxious to get back out there and get back to playing – the way they know how so yeah uh some of these aren't questions by the way but i don't ever read them first so i always read them out loud so bear with me here oh, God. yeah i don't have a screener i'm just it's, just it's just me i don't have a producer um so john says uh not taking care of the ball and no fight on the boards lost this game for the jays uh young team needs to learn when the shots aren't falling there are other ways to win the game yeah i mean that's the, that's the thing like we've kind of been talking about is like Creighton, Creighton lost this game before the shooting went. You know what I mean? Like they they got they were cold in the second half shooting wise, but they had already dug I themselves think a hole. Forty five percent, but they yeah. only had like ten shots. Yeah, they took twenty <laughs> shots in the first half. They were nine for twenty. That's crazy, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a stat I'm like a stat I look at for a statement like that, like finding other ways to win. Creighton shot three of 24 from three, which I, I believe I did a quick check is their lowest three pointers made by far this season. Uh, no, they've had a game with one. Oh, did they this yeah. season? Yeah. That's okay. what I mean. The shooting comes has come and gone with this group. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. They were one for 19 in one of these games. You shoot three of 24, mm-hmm. but you only attempt eight free throws. Yeah. Like I have a problem with that. Like okay. I understand if, three-point shooting is part of your identity and you don't ever want to tell your like you you want to tell your good shooters like keep shooting like you want to tell Hawkins like keep shooting it's it's gonna fall at some point tonight unfortunately it didn't but next game it will um but my problem is you're three of 24 from three like 
get to the free throw line, get some easy ones. Um, so you, you attempt 24 threes and you attempt eight free throws on a night. Like that's gotta, that's gotta balance out a little bit more in my opinion. Like too much imbalance between what you eventually scored at the three point line versus what you didn't try to get inside and at the free throw line. Yeah. It's just like, clearly things aren't some, your shots not going to fall on some nights, right? but you can't just sit there and accept that. Like let, even as just from a personal standpoint, like if you're a shooter and your shots not falling, like a lot of times your coach will say, go get an offensive rebound, get to the free throw line. Like just that'll sometimes just get your spirits up a little bit. Right. Um, so yeah, like Villanova had 15 out of 16 free throws tonight. Like they were the more aggressive team in attacking, mm -hmm. um, in post-ups. Um, so that's something, you know, three of 24 from three, like get on the offensive boards, get to the free throw line. And those were two things they didn't do tonight. For sure. Um, one question is when's the last time Creighton lost by 34? I don't know. That's a Rob Anderson question. I mean, they lost by 31 to San Diego state two years ago and they still won the league. So is that enough of a consolation is 31 close enough or do we have to go back and find the 34 point loss? I'd say count it. Count it. <laughs> I will say this. If someone's beaten Creighton by 34, so it's, probably, it's probably Villanova. So like, if you're, <laughs> Yeah, if I'm looking back, it's probably. You need to better. get a researcher on this show, that, like someone that's going to be looking this up right now. Well, that's usually what I do, but we're live, so we can't <laughs> do it on the. Yeah. You can tweet it out. Like, yeah, I'll just have to tweet that response. I, th I mean, San Diego State was a butt whooping. Like that one, San Diego State game from the holiday tournament and thanks the Thanksgiving tournament they played in two years ago. It felt like tonight. That was similar, you know? Mm -hmm. Like. Yeah. You lose 83-52 on a neutral floor, like you got it handed to you, you know. So yeah. I don't think tonight feels all that different, even though the score isn't the margin's not the same. Um, let's see. <laughs> oh, we'll save that one for later. Uh what does practice look like for the Jays over the next five days until they play again um next Tuesday? Um well, with Kaufman or Hurt, you're, prior, you're going to prioritize rest, right? Because, you, I mean, he's a major, major component to everything they do. I mean, the five-man is really important for Creighton because it's, you know, offensively it's ball screens, it's post-ups, it's rim running. Um, and then defensively he's just – I mean, he's one of the best in the country. I don't think I'd stretch to say that right now. His, his rim protection is elite. You know, he's, he's, he's been well north of two blocks a game basically since game three of the season. Um, he's had several where he's blocked five. Like, he's had whole halves that he's dominated. Um, he's just coming off a 20-point, 12-rebound, four-block game against Marquette. Like, Not bad. You know, they, they, he's a big <laughs> factor, right? Especially when you're going into yeah. a matchup like Providence where size and physicality is their thing, you got to have as much of that on your end to combat it. So – getting him rested up and as healthy as possible is going to be a priority. Number one, in terms of preparation though, like I think Kim's right. I think you don't, you don't spend too much time on this one, you know, like. I think you spend a fair amount of, of film time on this one. Yeah. On but the I, errors though, not the score, right? Like, yeah, you don't. Yeah. Like, 
I think um, offensively, like we said, like, why were we turning it over as much as we were? Like, why did Brian Hawkins have zero points? Like, what can we do better? Like on this play, maybe we should have made an extra pass. Here's where we miss Kalkbrenner. Um, I think there's a good amount to be learned from film here, but you also, you don't want to bury your players with negativity from this game. Um, I think you, you find that balance. Um, Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. But like, you're right about, you're right about Hawkins though. Like he only took, not only did he not score, but he only took six, six shots. So like, yeah, that's almost, that's almost even just not even being incorporated. Right. So you got to figure out, when he's your steady Eddie, you know, you're, he's your guy with his most experience, the team leader. He's won championships at the D2 level. When you, when, when an opposing team is taking him out of his rhythm, that to that degree, you've got to find a way to force him upon them essentially. Right. Like six shots is not enough. You've got to find ways to get him into spots where he can operate. Whether that's like, if that means, you know, stacking one side of the floor and letting him go to work against whoever's guarding him on the other end, whatever. If that means posting him up, if that means different type of lineups where he's playing a different position and he gets a different matchup, like things like that are what maybe Creighton didn't do tonight that, you know, just to get him going. Cause he's your, he's your main cog. He's been your most efficient offensive weapon throughout all of your wins. You know what I mean? When you try to like trace back to what's been the key for, Creighton's success against BYU, against Villanova, against Nebraska. Like, think about all their big wins. Ryan Hawkins has been the man offensively. So you've got to figure out – you can't have the man take six shots. Yeah. you got to figure out a way to incorporate it. And you look at the line, and of those six shots, four were threes. Like, you're six seven. You're a player who can get to the free throw line. I was just looking at his stats. He's a 76% – free throw shooter mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. take it to the rack just one time mm-hmm. um pose somebody up like back somebody down all the way into the rim you know, I, like, I looked up his height in the middle of the game i'm like get into the block like you're six seven get down there like be physical inside don't just settle for you know not getting a clean catch on the three-point line um but yeah, but just going back to the original question, like practice this week, I would be doing some toughness drills, like some rebounding drills where you're like, you know, obviously like you don't want anyone to get hurt at this point of the season or ever. Like you don't want to beat, beat each other up in practice, but like I'd be doing some toughness drills, some box out drills. Um, and then I'd be doing a lot of shooting too. Um, hopefully tonight was, you know, an off night for them shooting, but I'd be doing a lot of toughness stuff. I'd be getting a lot of reps up shooting wise. And then I'd be going from film room to whatever they think they need to walk out on the court, whether it's how we're defending a ball screen and it, and they might then shift to, you know, who's, who are we playing next? How do we want to play that? Um, But there might be some situations where you want to go from film to them walking it out on the floor, whether it's how you're defending certain situations um, or, different positioning things, um, offensively. Um, but I think a lot of like focus and execution things will be addressed as well. Yeah. With the, well, with the, it's a little bit of an extended break too. So they can, you have time. they can do, they can do some of the things you're talking about where they just like focus on themselves for a little bit, yeah. maybe even for a day or two. 
and then dive into Providence over the weekend. That way you're ready for it on Tuesday, you know? So like, yeah, it's. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like in, in covering games the last couple of weeks and talking to coaches, like you don't even know sometimes like a lot. I hope that this isn't the way for Creighton, but like a lot of the teams I've covered in the last few weeks, like they can't even have more than a couple players practicing at a time together because of COVID. Like I was just, I was listening to the St. John's game tonight before this game and you know they haven't really been on the practice floor together because of covid um so you don't really know what you're getting right now because of the situation that we're in so i I hope it's not that way for creighton because it seems like they're all good to go right now knock on wood regarding protocols but like at times in the season like teams haven't been able to be on the floor together like they normally are because of you know protocols and this person has to be quarantined and all that um so that's like another factor that uh, hopefully not for Creighton right now or at any point in the season but a lot of teams just aren't getting practice time right now so you gotta take advantage of it when you get it right yeah absolutely it's like a mini training camp for sure um next question (laughs) this one's a little bit harsher but it's fair uh just hope this absolutely traumatizes the team to take care of the ball um we got away with it earlier in the season. Now, not so much. Got to learn one way or the other. I mean, yeah, there, there, there is like the old adage that like a loss teaches you more than like a win, an ugly win will, right? Because like you can, you can. This is like a wake up call loss. Like, yeah, because you got it. You got pasted, right? So yeah, 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 for sure. Sometimes you need to just get clocked on the top of the head like that to really be like, all right, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So. Turnovers have been, you know, a situation like it's kind of interesting because you go from like a team the last two years that they were just assisted turnover machines, right? Like, yeah, you had several, you could go several games with single digit turnovers and it wouldn't be a surprise. And then like this year's team has only had two games where they've been under 10. So so I, it's been it's been an issue like it's it's it, you know the 10 turnover first half tonight was not an isolated incident like it's yeah. been a problem what happened i think the majority of the turnovers tonight were like youth and inexperienced turnovers like i said there were a lot of just like mind-boggling passes that were made where like coach mcdermott had to have been like have we practiced at all this season? Like it really, there were a couple plays where I was like, Oh my God, like just lobbing the ball cross court. Like here's a layup Villanova. Yeah, um, right. Those are, like those are just like focus and experience turnovers. Like that's not something you can really work on in practice. Like, Hey guys, let's just not lob the ball aimlessly into the air. Like that's just like being comfortable and confident in the game. Um, so I, I really feel like so many of the turnovers tonight were a, a result of youth inexperience and just kind of being shell shocked. Yeah. Um, they were, they were just like in, like we've talked about earlier, just kind of like intimidated uh, at the start of this game. It looked like, so I feel like I honestly feel like the turnovers can be an easy fix and some turnovers you live with depending on your style of play. Um, if you're a, if you're a team that's scoring 80 points a night or likes to play up tempo, like you live with some turnovers because you're going to be pushing it. Um, you want to be aggressive. 
but the turnover, like some of the turnovers tonight, like you, you can't live with that as a coach or as a player, as a teammate, like it, they were just inexcusable, like mid middle school basketball, maybe even elementary school basketball turnover. <laughs> Like, but that's just like, you're not, you're not wrong though, because like you go into a a game where you're like, Oh, where you feel like simple is going to win the game. Right. So you gotta, you gotta take care of the ball because you know, Villanova is not giving it away. You have to, you have to rebound because you know, Villanova is going to kill you if you give them second and third opportunities and you got to keep Villanova off the free throw line. Cause you know that they'll just eat you up driving downhill on you and live at the line all day. And they're fine with that. Like Creighton came out and they, they had three live ball turnovers in like their first six possessions. So that's one box you just throw in court, way out the window, right? Um, you're giving Villanova easy opportunities. Your defense isn't even set. You can't even guard that. Uh, they're getting to the free throw line, so you're fouling. You're not moving your feet. You're not staying in front of the ball like you were in Omaha. And then you're giving up second chance opportunities, which means you're not being tough. You're not blocking out. Um, you, you're not identifying you're, guys off shooters. Like, yeah. And when you're giving up second chance you're not allowing yourself to run like you should be so good in the fast break. You have a five that can is seven feet tall and can run, but you handicapped yourself in this game by not being able to rebound and get out and run and just allowing Villanova to set up and, you know, credit to Villanova too, for getting back. But like we said, like that's where you want to, get disruptive on defense, get some long rebounds and get out and run. Um, we just, we didn't see the fast break game at all tonight, really from Creighton. Right. So it does say they had eight fast break points, but I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I can count, if I can remember them. <laughs> fast break points is my favorite stat because I can never remember. It's usually either way too low or way too high. And I'm just like, when did that all happen? Villanova, what's crazy is Villanova only had two. Um, yeah, apparently. right. That feels false because I remember they had four right away. So, yeah, how do they mark those things? Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. That, like the definition of what do you, what is a fast break point to you guys? <laughs> yeah. Our guy Alex has a fun one. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. If you had to watch this game already knowing the outcome, what would you have done with your time instead? <laughs> Do you want his answer before you give yours or or before we give ours? I I, like, I'm not going to lie. I, I briefly saw his tweet and I think I saw what he wrote, but I'm sure the viewers or the listeners would love to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's classic Alex in his like ominous like life is over. Um, scenario. What would you have done differently if you knew this was the outcome? Is, is this my answer? Yeah, I'm going. You go first. You want uh, me to go first? I can go first if you want. Oh no, no. So I mean, I live on the East Coast, and this game didn't tip until 8:45 p.m. And it's a, I don't know, is it a Wednesday night? Um, yeah. So I'm not, and it's a pandemic. Like I'm not going to say I had any wild plans tonight, um, but I may have uh, watched like watch some Netflix or something. I just finished a couple of different shows. Did I start watching a new show yet? Um, I feel like I did and I can't remember what it was, but I probably would have, I probably would have watched a non-sporting event if I knew okay. the blow that was about to hit me. How about you? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just started watching the Witcher. So I guess like I'm in the middle of that. So maybe I would have, Knocked out a few episodes there. Um, 
I don't know. South Carolina and LSU played tonight too, right? I would have gone back. I would have gone back and watched that. Women, women. I think they were on like ESPN U or something. They got they got got the shaft tonight. So yeah, I'd probably go giving them a ratings hit because like (laughs) because that would have at least been a game that I was interested in. Yeah, I don't know. But then again, I'm also like in my mid 30s now, so maybe I would have gone to bed. Yeah, Yeah. I may have. uh... I may have read a book trying to trying to read more in 2022. Okay. <laughs> okay. Smart answer. Nerdy answer. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Nova's defense felt like they played the game in a phone booth. Yeah, that's they, they 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 segmented the court, right? So like they were like, you know, here's yeah, what we're like, gonna probably, like, I'm trying to visualize what <laughs> this imagery means. Like play the game in a phone, like they just kept yeah, it. Like, every, everything, everything was in everything was in close quarters. Are right? like so, all, are all ten people in this phone booth, or is it like one defender and one offensive player in the? Yeah, booth? see, that's how I picture it. <laughs> <laughs> I pick I picture it like they're making everything one on one. So like every there's like ten phone booths out there. You know, or five, like, or I, there's five phone booths and there's two people in each one. Basically. That's like a funny reference because I something I heard growing up like learning to play basketball is like you want to shoot like you're in a phone booth like you want to have a really high really arc and release like if you're in a little phone booth like you can't extend out you got to shoot straight up like okay. that's right. that's what i think of a phone booth when i hear basketball so i'm just, i'm thinking of like a really constrained constricted spot and now i'm trying to picture 10 players see, see where where i go with this and i think villanova like it works out because they are just like that person and ask for a clarification <laughs> what do you mean um can you elaborate on that no like i think like boxing they say like fighting a phone booth like it's like a lot of close quarters clinching there's yeah. no like jabs or hooks it's just basically like an ugly little brawl like rock'em sock'em robots you know those those things remember those yeah was yeah. it like punching glove? Um, no, they were robots. They were like little you oh, like clickers. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of those things that you used to blow up and put on your hands. No. <laughs> like fight your brothers. <laughs> I know what you're saying. What are those no. called? Uh, I don't even we'll know. To, we'll have to tweet that one out too. Yeah, I'll have to, we'll have to Google that later. Okay. Uh, oh, let's see. Next question is... Um, does Kim does Kim still have her magic when going to Jays games and then winning? If <laughs> if so, can we get her to every Creighton game from now on? Um, okay, I don't know well, what's that, your, what's your record. What what's well, your that stretch? Do you? I don't. I we probably knew each other back then, but a couple of years ago, I did the. It was called the Big East Trophy Tour. All right, um, I remember yeah, this. I don't oh, yeah. know if it. I it must have commemorated a special year of the Big East tournament. Um, but basically we went to one men's game at each, uh, arena and we would bring the trophy and it was called like, that's how they first started saying March to MSG. Um, but it turned out that like, for some reason, like half of the games ended up like having Creighton as the opponent. So (laughs) I I think Creighton was the very first stop. So like I went to Creighton. Yeah. They played Butler that night. I remember. Okay. So I guess they won that. And then I think I re- I remember oh then we must have had the rematch because I remember going to Butler and they, they were playing 
Creighton. So they I won, guess they won, they won that too. Yeah. Tyler Clement was the point guard after Maurice got hurt. Yeah. So they won that yeah. one. <laughs> so there were like three or four games within at that point, it was just 10 teams and like Creighton was in almost every trophy tour matchup. And I guess they won all those games. So like okay. Rob Anderson literally put me in the game notes. Like I felt <laughs> so special. He was like, it was like Kim Adams trophy tour. Like every time Kim is here on the trophy tour, like Creighton is undefeated. <laughs> oh my God. I'll have to look that up later. Like see what the that record, was like the whatever your record ended up being. Because like, if you, you were at you were at MSG that year too, um, for the Big East tournament. Yeah, I must have um, been. Creighton went to the finals that year. So, like, yeah, you were – they were real good when you were in the arena. I don't no, know. I yeah. just, and then I think, you know, you did the game in that? Omaha. What game did you in Omaha recently? The women's game. Which one was that? Uh, you know what? I really miss being out there because lately they really like just – yeah. Regionally. Um, I haven't been out to – like, I went from going to Omaha, like, three times a season to never going anymore, and I'm really sad because, obviously, oh. I have so much love for everybody out there, and everyone That's shows great. me so much love. I – you know what? I did do – I remember it was for CBS Sports Network, I think, was my last Creighton women's game out there. Yeah, that sounds right. But I think that was that was definitely before the pandemic. So that was like either early 2020 or even going back to 2019. Yeah, I think you know what I think it was. I think you did a Villanova game when they were out there because I think I remember you watching it back and either Villanova or Providence, one of those teams. I miss it out there. Shout speaking of the <laughs> I can hear your I can see that I can hear your voice in the highlight reels I'm playing in my head. So like I think that was what how about Jalen Agnew though? Let's let's give her a shout out. She That's got her right. offer from the Atlanta Dream today and she's coming back from her injury. ATL two point or uh part two. Yeah. This is like that's a pretty good little like little anniversary gift because I'm pretty sure this is like coming up on her 12 months wow uh surgery date so it's not a bad way to celebrate right get a qualifying ACL? offer from a wma team yeah it was an acl acl yeah all right Jalen. <clears throat> um yeah she's been working real hard too like her game looks different she's got a more of a handle now than she ever has like it's Love it. yeah do bad things um let's see <laughs> how uh i'm trying to read this right how would the issues have been solved if creighton came out wearing the jordan ones <laughs> are they a, are they a nike school is it yeah they're a nike school yep i mean i think if you came out in ones like the intimidation factor would have been flipped like <laughs> right even though it would have been shaken at the start yeah next time yeah Shout out to um, Alex O'Connell and I. We were wearing the same Jordans at Media Day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He was the first person I interviewed, too. We have a good picture of that. <clears throat> if you haven't already seen it, go check it out. Jordan. Yeah, that was when that was when Creighton tried to bring Carolina the casual Jordan. to New York. When they what? Creighton tried to bring the casual to New York. Oh, and, yeah. 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 Coach McDermott was the only one that I know. It was, there was three coaches wearing casual attire. Oh. I think that it it's it's the reason it hit because it was Mac Flan, and then the other one was Gino. Oh yeah, so like, 
Yukon yeah. women showed up in sweatsuits. I was yeah, like, exactly. So when so it was you- like Creighton and then Yukon women, and it was like, okay, winning this team in the history of sports <laughs> is not taking this as seriously as we should. We should probably listen to them. So I think everybody well, called in like, line for that. Oh, um, I think our last one for the or no, we have two more. Sorry. Uh Hank wants to know. What's up, Hank? What's up, Hank? Um, I feel like that's a very Omaha name. There's not a lot of Hanks out here in New York or Philly. Yeah, for sure. I think this is John Sikowski's dad, actually. So I don't know if that's his first name. That's it. It is John Sikowski, right? Creighton closer when they went to the regional. Yeah. Okay, I was about to say, I, am I supposed to know who that is? No, <laughs> no offense. I'm yeah, you haven't done baseball in a minute, so yeah, that's okay. It's all good. It's all no, good. I remember Nikki Lopez. That's right. Yeah, that's that's your last one, right? Shout out to him in uh, Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not the same team without a healthy Kalkbenner. We're young, and we will have some growing pains, but I think we'll be fine if we can stay healthy. Two and one after two games with Villanova. And a road dub at Marquette is still impressive. Oh, yeah. Cool. And I think that's what I love this yeah. glass half full mentality, Hank. <laughs> I love it. You alluded to that earlier, right? Like, you still feel like yeah. take what they've done so far as overly positive, right? Like, uh, yeah, over, like I, I mean, if you're leaning one way or the other, yeah. I, I don't think you can forget that this is literally a brand new unit. Like, you have a freshman yeah. point guard, you have really nobody that played significant roles in the past maybe you could say call brenner did i think he averaged i don't know like 12 minutes a game last year mm-hmm. um, but like it's a brand new starting five like you're still building your chemistry like the season has been going on for i guess like what two months um i think you're in a pretty i think you have to be pretty happy with where you are given the circumstances um and also like I highly, highly doubt that any team in the big East will sweep Villanova this season. Like it, mm-hmm. they just don't allow that to happen. Uh, like, I'll, I mean, if, and, and if someone's going to do it, you'd think it like Xavier Seton hall, UConn, right? Well, Xavier and Seton hall already lost to him. So they're not doing it. Yeah. So like yeah. it's just, you, you should be very happy with getting a win on your home floor in which was a dominant fashion. Mm-hmm. You would have liked to see a better fight tonight. Absolutely. But there's no team that's I'm I'll put my life savings on it. No, maybe I shouldn't go that oh, far. I'll, almost, put, I'll put a Chick-fil-A gift card up for grab. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I almost said this like every UConn fan out there, yeah. but you hear what Kim had to say. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I am high on UConn if they ever get back on the floor and get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see a team sweeping Villanova in a two and oh, um, what do they call it? Ron Robin. Robin. Ron Robin. Ron Robin. Ron Robin. Like a home and home. Like yeah. no, if, somebody, if somebody does go two and oh in round Robin Big East play against Villanova, like I will have an auction or like tweet out, uh, I don't know, $15 Chick-fil-A gift card. <laughs> she's gonna, she's going to give away, she's going to, she'll give away her new, do uh, I sound right? like I got one for Christmas and I'm just going to re-gift it. If oh I'm wrong. shoot. That's, that's, you shouldn't have said it like that though. I should, that was just like un, unsaid. No, it, yeah. no, I'll buy a new one because my gift card yeah. will definitely have been used by them. I was going to say you're going to give away your new Ugg slippers and so it means so much to you, but 
Yeah. My parents hooked up my stocking. I got, I've already used my Chipotle gift card and then I got the Chick-fil-A too. So that I haven't used that one yet. Okay. So Chick-fil-A gift card for everybody. If someone sweeps Nova this year. Yeah. Yeah. I said one person. Like No, you said I'm, I'm changing every, all of Omaha. Like, everybody who replies to this tweet and okay, I'll send out tomorrow. They have to, there has to be like a secret code word that we give out. Okay. Um, like let's, I don't know. What should we say? Um, <laughs> oh, I got it. They have okay. to remember the nickname that you gave the city of Omaha um, back during the Big East tournament days. Yeah, but I feel like it should also like we because then, be then they're like then we know they're true fans from day one of Kim Adams. So like, but I feel like they have to have listened to the podcast too. Like, oh yeah, but I'm not gonna give away the I'm not gonna give away the word. I'm just gonna say it right now. You have to okay. you have so to know what the word is, and if someone okay. sweeps Nova. Tweet the word to Kim and you get a Chick-fil-A gift card. <laughs> Hand, virtual handshake. I'm in. All right. There we go. You have to be a day one supporter. if you Exactly. If you exactly. You don't want to give Chick-fil-A to everybody. Just give it to your true fans, right? Your number ones. Your day ones. <laughs> but I, I'm only giving out one gift card. No. no, okay? no thousands. No, if you know. Like, like what are everyone they, 25 bucks a pop? $25,000. Oh, I cards. thought I said 15. I thought <laughs> it, you're trying to run it up right now. Okay. Hey, WWE uh, season is about to start. You're about to get the, the, to the. Get me to give out like 50 gift cards for $25 each. Like, come on. <laughs> I just had my games are being canceled left and right. Like, that's true. You know, that's true. Have some sympathy. Let the bank account build back up a little bit. Okay? <laughs> it's true. Um, our last one is a fun one. Um, well, it might not be a fun one. It might be a hostile one because I might have some bad things to say. But uh, we got three questions. Oh. And it's our favorite. And one? Yeah. It's our favorite cheesesteak, our favorite pair of Jordans, and our favorite Rocky movie. So, like, I'm, I'm just going to ruin. I don't know if you want me to start on a bad note, but I'm going to ruin question one because I don't like Philly cheesesteaks. Like, I think they're trash. Okay, I I was expecting worse. I was expecting you to say Pats or Genos. So I oh, rather see. I don't even like. Yeah, the, that, but this just means that you haven't you haven't had a real cheesesteak. That's, that's true. I, like Pepper Jackson, Omaha is like the best. Had, I, like, if, oh come on, where have you had that in Omaha? Like that's what I mean. Yeah, no, I you no. So then you just say I can't answer the question. I've never. Oh had okay. He's talking about. Is this a Philly or an Omaha person who asks this? Um, this is an Omaha person, I think. Yeah. You, you can't you can't give an answer at the moment unless you've had a Philly you unless you had a true Philly cheesesteak. Yes, like okay. in Philly. All right, so I have to abstain from answering then. And Kim, answer, Kim's gonna drop Kim's gonna drop the knowledge right here with the, okay. the cheesesteak question. Whatever you do to the Creighton fans or who's ever listening, when you come into Philadelphia, do not go to the neon signs. Do not go to what they show on the Fox broadcast <laughs> city view. Do not go to Pat's or Gino. Like oh. number one tourist trap. Only people who go there are tourists. They're not good cheese steaks. Ooh. I would say you can, one of my favorites is called Dallas Sandro's. Um, it is a little bit outside of the city. Like you definitely need a car or an Uber to get there. I would also recommend gyms, which you can get on South street. Um, Tony Luke's is not a bad option either. 
just please, if you were to go to, to Pat Sergino's, just unsubscribe from this podcast, unfollow on Twitter. I'm just, I'm trying to help the people out. You don't even want like any of that in your life is what you're saying. Like unsubscribe, unfollow. Like if you go to Pat Sergino's, they give you thick cut pieces of steak. A real cheese steak is finely chopped up. I'm doing the motion right now, but they can't yes, see. Yeah, but like, if it's a real cheese steak, I'm going to try and give them the imagery. If you go into a real cheese steak spot, you hear the knives slash like spatula things hitting this uh, the stove top. Like you okay. hear that sound. You hear the metal hitting metal and it, it's finely chopping. That's how you know it's a good cheese steak. Um, you just get cheese, you get steak and cheese with or without onions. Um, I wouldn't get much more than that. You maybe get keep, peppers. Keep it maybe simple. get peppers, but if you if you start adding on lots of different toppings, they're gonna know you're from out of town. <laughs> I'll okay. give it. These are I'll these are important. It. These are important instructions. I just here. gave I, like a five minute dissertation on Philly yeah. cheese. I mean, I think you, I think you killed that question. Honestly, that's probably our <laughs> yeah. best answer of the night. Honestly, uh, favorite pair of Jordans. Uh, I mean, I'm ones are my favorite all time. Like I can't, you can't, I can't beat that. I, I just love the like. It's I don't know. First of all, I think it feel like it's a good feel of a shoe. Like I don't play in it, but like. Oh yeah, you. I like you the. Really- I, it's more of like a casual thing than nowadays, but. Totally. I like the way it feels, and then I also like how like retro it looks. I just like how old, like it just looks like it's straight out of the '80s. So I just love the look of it. Yeah, I can't, be, I can't beat the ones. Yeah, my like my I'm like a a lot of my clothes and sneakers are blue, so I feel like all of my favorite Jordans are blue in some sort. Um, if I had to pick just one pair. Mm. I really, I really like the Carolina fours. I just got, um, those were in high demand and I, I somehow got lucky on sneakers app. You know why? Wait, actually, I, don't, I shouldn't say it too loud. This is another story. I don't want to say too loud though. Cause I don't, what happened is I got the win on sneakers. I was like, Oh my God, I got the win. Then my package got lost. And I assumed like someone at FedEx stole it. Yeah, for sure. So I I wrote to Nike. I was like, Hey, like my sneakers are gone. Like they just no, no update for like two weeks. So they refunded me the money. And I was like heartbroken. Like, I don't like, I don't want the money. I want the sneakers. Exactly. Like I was so sad. Then they randomly showed up one day. So I got them for free. No. <laughs> like that's why I don't want to say it too loud though. Like I don't want like someone I mean, calling and be like, you owe us whatever it was, 200 bucks. Yeah, I don't think any Nike execs listen to the show, but that's badass. Like, though. Can you believe that? Um, and they're like, no, oh, I, I thought you're yeah, that's crazy. I was actually just on the GOAT app last night and they're going for like 400 plus, and I got them for free 99. <laughs> that's wild. Just that's because that was karma coming back to me for something good I did. Like yeah, that's how no doubt. But those shoes are always um, gonna have a special place in your heart then because of yeah. That, I guess that. you know if free Jordans kind of go to the top of the list for favorites. Yeah, 
That's quite yeah, a saga. That's quite a saga. They've been through some stuff. Yeah. And those were the ones I was matching with Alex O'Connell with too. So okay. You know what you should do is you should write like a movie based on <clears throat> from the shoes perspective. You ever seen like Brave Little Toaster? Is that too old for you? How old are you right now? You're like close to my age, aren't you? But my, why don't you say your age and I'll oh, okay, say okay. I'm 30. Okay, I'm 36. Okay, I'm younger. I'm younger. You're just gonna, you're just gonna go younger. Um, that's, all younger. You're gonna, that's all you're gonna give me. This is what I'll give. My I'll I'm in my 30s and I'm younger than you. A lot of people think I'm like in my mid 20s, so I don't want to give away too much. Oh, you don't want to? Okay, I see what you're doing. It's like self-preservation <laughs> right now. Okay. <laughs> I was because I know when you played, so I can kind of guess your oh, age. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so like, that's the that's the that's the giveaway. If you look, yeah, at the I've seen the box scores and the dates on them, so like I know, I know when you were like in the eighteen to twenty-two range, unless you went on a more admission or something. Like I gra- I was young. I graduated twenty-one. Okay. Um, all right. So I have fair reference. Thing. Like the seventh year senior thing going on. At <laughs> I was diploma in hand. Diploma, let's go. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Brave Little Toaster then, like, write a movie, like, Brave Little Toaster, like, you know how that whole, if you haven't seen it, just go watch it, it'll I inspire really you. Like, I really don't know what that is. I'll hit Never you up, I'll, I'll send a link to you, so you can write a movie based on the Brave Little Toaster about your sneakers and how they made it They're to you. Glory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, last one for the night, favorite Rocky movie. Do we, now, first of all, before we answer this, are we going to allow Creed and Creed 2 to be in this? Uh, well, I was hoping we would because I f- like I feel I mean like Rocky I, Rocky's I in the most movies, seen. so I think it should count. I've hey, I've run the Rocky steps like a hundred times. Oh, no, I've you, you know pictures say? at the top, but I can't I don't know if I've seen every Rocky movie, but I I will say Creed because Michael B. Jordan. I mean all right, hold up. Now we gotta make sure you've seen every uh, Rocky movie. Like I can't how many are there? There are six Rockies and two Creeds. I don't think I've seen six Rockies. Um, I honestly can't really differentiate the ones I have seen. Should I move from Philadelphia? I don't know how you. I don't know how you were allowed to live in Philly without that. I'm. I'm. I'm uh, now. I'm wondering what like Philly's. Uh, you know, I thought there was like an initiation. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Eagles fan. I haven't seen all the Rocky movies. What am I even doing here? <laughs> you gave some good knowledge on the cheesesteaks, though. So I feel oh, like you're, that, like, I feel food? like you're a Philadelphia food, girl. I got it on lock for okay. sure. Okay. Philly pretzels, all that. Okay. Well, um, my favorite, I, like, I think we should include Creed because Rocky's in those movies. We but definitely I'll, have to, I'll, or I wouldn't have an answer. <laughs> she wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, my favorite Rocky all time has always been Rocky too. Uh, totally love that one. <laughs> you shut the fuck. I just rem- the one I remember is at the very end he's fighting like somebody with a really heavy Russian or German accent, but that could be every Rocky. All right, movie. so that's Rocky. That's Rocky Four. It's Russian. Oh, okay, um, yeah. yeah, I love that one. You do? Okay. Everybody loves that one. That's why everyone's favorite. I think it's like I the most popular. The on like cable tv yeah it's on all the time and then the other ones like mr t he fights him in rocky three and the first two are apollo and then Mm. five is a street fight and then six he's like old as shit like definitely didn't see the street fight one yeah 
the street fight one and six are not like we don't talk about those like it's, it's like what are those two philly cheesesteak restaurants you said don't go to jim oh, what pats and genos pats no, and genos yeah pats and genos are the rocky five and rocky six of philly cheesesteak places oh i understand oh i yeah. understand there you go so which creed is your favorite then uh the original like the first one the first one okay i, I think i've seen the second one Dang, you're just not even on the Rocky stuff yet at all. I, you know what? Now this this makes me miss boxing. I was getting into boxing right before the pandemic. I was really like not like actually fighting in fights, but like for workouts. <laughs> it's like no, you're about to like get serious with this. Like a post analyst <laughs> career. I'm going some throw. Going yeah. throw a mean hook. I was about to throw hands with people. Um. Yeah, Rocky Two is my favorite. Um. And I did like Creed too, so like if I have to pick a Creed one, so the sequels for both of them, then I'll go with sequels. Okay. And then Kim's going Creed one, but she hasn't really seen any of the movies. I can tell right now she's just faking this answer. So I'm a Michael B. Jordan fan. Yeah. Her most valuable stage of this last one was the cheesesteak info. So that's what you're gonna have to live with, people. I feel like my cheesesteak answer made up for it did. my lack of rocky knowledge. There was a lot of value in there was a lot of yeah, the sneakers. I mean, you probably are going to get arrested tomorrow, but um, <laughs> going to be not yeah. knocking on my door. <laughs> Give us those sneakers back. <laughs> like, they probably won't even let you pay so for them this time, too. They'll just take the sneakers. Like, where I'm, are they? I'm so nervous now. I feel like I gave myself away. Now I know, like, how serious people are about Jordans. You're probably going to get, like, jumped on the street by, like, five dudes oh, like, FBI. And they're just going to take the sneakers. They're not even going to, like, they're just going to leave you there. <laughs> just going to take the shoes. Okay, I'm not gonna. Wear, I'm not wearing these for at least six months. Yeah, you got to give yourself some time to get away. With I gotta them. hide. I gotta put them in a safe. It's like it's like what's the thing in Goodfellas where they like do the heist and then they tell everybody not to spend the money right away. That's what you gotta do with these sneakers. Like you gotta you gotta lay low for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, hey. So much. Um, I appreciate you taking time out to break this down with me. Make your Blue Jay beat debut. We got to get you on the scurry and the scrub debut next. So I know I was like, is this the thing you do with Jordan? No, this is separate. No. Yeah. Jordan and I are like Sundays. We just do all like, that's all big East stuff. Women's basketball, okay. women's basketball, everything. This yeah, one's I'm just post game. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, it's late as shit where you're at. So you got to get to yeah, bed. You, pre- I know you asked me if I was a night owl and I was like, yeah, I am. But I actually like one of my new year's, I don't like to say resolutions, but like something I'm trying to do better at in the new year is go to bed earlier. And I said, I, I'm going to go to bed by midnight and here it is 1230. It's, you already have me breaking my new year. Screwed goals. That up. I screwed that up. That's my bad. It's <laughs> my bad. I got to wear that one. So if you write that one down, it's sort of like one of the days you screwed up. It's on me, not you. You owe me a cheesesteak when you come to Philly. Yeah. I'll get you one of Gene. Oh, sorry. Not Gino's. <laughs> Just show up at the door. Like, here's Gino's. Take it. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, no, honestly, appreciate your insight. Uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, everybody, for your questions and your topics. Um, this was a fun show, even though Creighton got housed. Um, so, yeah, sure. we'll uh, – yeah, Jordan's back from vacation, so we'll have another Scurry in the Scrub Big East Week interview on Sunday, so check that out. Um, subscribe to the make sure you're subscribed to the white and blue review network so you know when these podcasts drop 
And then check out whiteandbluereview.com for all the post-game coverage from today's game, although you probably won't want to read it. Um, Kim, we like to plug our guests, though. So, like, what you got coming up that people can look out for? I mean, I did have stuff coming up. You <laughs> get it canceled. Um, yeah, I was supposed to be on FS1 on Sunday, uh, some women's hoops action, but that has unfortunately been canceled. Currently supposed to do Xavier at St. John's Women on Friday, but that's just that's on digital. So I don't know who's forking over the money for Flow Hoops. I, I don't blame you if you're not. Um, honestly, everything's TBD right now, but just keep following me on Twitter. Hopefully I get some rescheduled dates coming up here soon. Um, maybe get back into some men's games. You never know. Um, but yeah, this has been fun. I always, Crete and people have always been good to me. Um, so thanks to all of you who tuned in and I know away from home kind of. It really is. That's why I'm really sad I haven't been out to Omaha in a couple of years. Uh, but I know the Jays are going to bounce back from this game. Definitely a, a tough one to watch as the fans. But um, they'll be back. They're young. They're they're gelling. And uh, Coach Mack's going to right the ship, no doubt. All right, everybody. That's a wrap. We'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you this weekend.